0: My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this. To lay down one's life, For one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. This I command you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. When was the last time you experienced or witnessed mind-blowing generosity? Far too often, members of Generation Z, that's those who were born between 1995 and 2012, are described in pretty unflattering ways. Perhaps everyone feels that way about their generation when they're being evaluated by the previous ones. But having worked now with college students for almost 14 years one of many joys has been seeing some of the most beautiful examples of sincere generosity that has often been mind-blowing to me for example this this one night on a a midnight run which is where we go and bring food and clothing and and toiletries to homeless men and women in uh, new york city a couple years ago A couple of our students were hugging and praying with these strangers, which was beautiful in itself. But even going beyond that, this one particular night, we happened to be on the the stop. It was like our third or fourth stop in Midtown Manhattan. And by that point, we had run out of some supplies, which often happens. You'd have no idea how many people you're going to encounter. And so the objective is just to do the best you can to bring as much stuff that you have and just do the best you can with that. This one homeless man very patiently was standing online line as those before him were being shown all the, the available things that were still left, the coats, the sweaters, and the boots. And one of our students just saw him standing over there and just went over and said, is there anything in particular that you're looking for? Maybe I can go find it for you in the meantime. And he said, all I want is some socks. And of all the things that we had left at that point, that was the one thing we were out of. And at that, this one student said, give me a minute, just stay here. And then he bolted before I could stop him and said, what are you doing, where are you going? We have a schedule to follow, blah, 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 blah. Before a word was even out of my mouth, the kid ran down the street and found a department store that was still open, bought a, a package of socks for this person. I think this is actually the first time i ever shared that story i was just so blown away on so many levels by the the whole experience not the least of which i didn't expect this kid to be the one that was going to run and do that another example was one of our focus missionaries focus is the fellowship of catholic university students and these missionaries are recent college graduates who fundraise their salaries in order to to minister to students which that in itself is mind-blowing. Especially imagine some of their parents' reactions when they tell them that after four years of college, they're going to go beg for funds so that they can lead their peers in Bible studies and try to have a deeper relationship with Jesus in his church. Some of their parents are mind-blown, but not in a positive way. So I've been moved and humbled by these missionaries over the the past 10 years that we've had them as part of our ministry. And one missionary a few years back, one of his team members in a meeting said to me, guess who's donating a kidney and wasn't planning on telling anyone. And of the four members, I did correctly guess. I knew exactly who it was. When I was finally able to get the story out of him later, he sincerely didn't want anyone to know let him get any recognition or accolades for this. He just explained, a guy went to high school, his kidney wasn't working, he needed a a transplant. So I I went and got checked and found out I was a perfect match, and so I offered it. It wasn't a relative, this wasn't even a close friend. And this missionary hadn't even discussed it with his family or anything when he just made this decision to donate it. And had he not needed some time for recuperation, he probably wouldn't have even shared it with his teammates. We had kept it secret that he even knew about the surgery and his generous gift. And the day after, I went to go visit him in the hospital. And he was so surprised and he was embarrassed that I was there and I had found out what he was doing. And I said to him, I brought you something that I thought you might need. And I presented him a, a, a can of kidney beans. And he started laughing, and then he starts grabbing his side and pain. He said, oh, I'm like, oh, does it hurt to laugh? Well, good. I'm, I'm helping you to continue to grow in holiness. Now you can offer that up to God with that pain as well. While there's countless examples that demonstrate people's selflessness and their thoughtfulness and how they're living out their faith, those are just two experiences that that radically stay in my mind as sincerely being mind-blowing. They were not only just moving and profound examples of how these, these two kids had heard the gospel message and were trying to respond to it, but humbled and challenged me to ask, what limits and why do I put those limits in my response in being generous and responding to the gospel? That's kind of what's happening in, in today's scriptures, especially that first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. We need a, a couple more details to understand how utterly mind blowing a passage that was. For Peter, and as they're described in that reading, the circumcised believers, or in other words, fellow Jews, this is after Jesus' ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them at Pentecost. So they've been sent by Jesus to to share the Gospel message to the ends of the earth. And the apostles' expectation, though, as lifelong Jews, whose lives had been shaped by the scriptures of the Old Testament, and the understanding that they were the chosen people, they thought they needed to get all their fellow Jews to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, as the one who was to come. And that the restoration that the Jews had expected of a kingdom was far greater and of more eternal significance than any of them had ever imagined as they experienced the the resurrection of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. All that was enough for them to try to wrap their minds around. So their initial focus had been about preaching and baptizing their fellow Jews. So here in this reading today, when this non-Jewish, this, this pagan Roman military official named Cornelius comes to Peter looking to be baptized. The circumcised believers were, were kind of debating what does this mean? What do we do? How, how do we handle this? Does he need to be circumcised? Does he need to become Jewish first? And that's when they, they witnessed the, the Holy Spirit coming upon this non-Jew. For Peter and the others, once again, they're astounded by what God was doing. Their minds were blown. Their visions were completely recast as they continue their apostolic missions, recognizing on a deeper and broader level all that Jesus had taught, particularly how Jesus was calling all humanity to be saved by him as the way, the truth, and the life which is probably what made their remembrances of the Last Supper and Jesus' dialogue with them in this Gospel far more profound. When they first heard and experienced this, it was the hours before Good Friday, as they were gathering for what they thought was just going to be the celebration of Passover. As the, the triumph of Jesus being welcomed on Palm Sunday was still resonating in their minds. They were somewhat blind in their they not paying attention to Jesus' warnings of what was to come. Namely, the chaos and the confusion of an unjust arrest and torture and death. And even though he had tried to prepare them for that, as well as to anticipate his rising from the dead, there are things that they had never experienced before. They couldn't understand or appreciate. It. But now, post-Easter, they're able to revisit everything in light. Of Jesus being risen from the dead and all that was utterly amazing and as they go back to that night at the Last Supper and they hear and remember that those who keep my commandments they were not merely followers they're not students or just disciples they're not creatures or slaves of a divine creator but something far more mind-blowing friends Maybe because that term has been so cheapened or ordered down, we kind of lose how radical that is. God who doesn't need anything or anyone wants and desires us. He calls us not simply to follow the commandments out of obedience as the creator of the universe would have every right and expectation to have, but he personalizes it because he wants this intimate relationship, friendship with us. That good news has to move us as well, and as well as humble and challenge us in asking how will we respond? How do we respond? If we truly want that friendship, St. John explains how in both his, his letter and the second reading, and in the, recounting that last supper. It's all about love. And granted, in a world where feelings are being treated as paramount, it's no wonder that people not only misunderstand and are confused by that call and the very word of love itself. I mean, we have McDonald's saying that in response to a quarter pounder with cheese and the large fries, I'm loving it. No, you might crave it, you might enjoy it, at least when you're first eating it. I don't know about you, a few minutes after, I'm usually not loving it, I'm usually regretting it. But... For us as Christians, when the truth of these terms are are understood and lived, when friendship, when love is understood in the light of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and it is lived from that vision of faith, we recognize how diminished all these contemporary definitions of those words and terms really are. For Jesus, love is quite simply but profoundly Selfless, sacrificial, life-giving. We can recognize the difference in that and someone enjoying a fast food meal. We're moved to wonder and awe at those more authentic examples and expressions. Whether it's a student on a midnight run buying socks for a homeless man, a missionary donating his kidney to an acquaintance, or for all the women our nation honors today on this Mother's Day, whose very lives and examples in bearing us and bringing us to birth and raising us, embody and demonstrate the very nature of love. We're being challenged to ask in what ways have we limited our response to the gospel? How have we maybe held Jesus at a distance in our relationship with us personally May we take comfort in these scriptures today to recognize how God is constantly trying to, to blow our minds, to expand our hearts, to experience authentic love and genuine friendship.